previously on the Soundless Cinema. Open the door slowly, you see the world on the other side is that of chaos. As the goblins, all of them, quickly packing up. They are about to shoot at you when out of nowhere, it's Ringo. It's good to see you guys again. Listen, there's some people that can help the tribe, so we don't have to live in fear. As of right now, it's best to let Gail to just allow us to move from here. Flower nods and he gives Ringo a big hug. Mortis, I was wondering if you could help with something. Oh, of course, Methuselah. Uki noticed that Faith and Sir Bradford didn't really look well. It might have been something to do with the tree causing a corruption. When we get back to the Kobold village, I, I will take a moment of meditation and see if communing with she might grant me any clarity on the matter. You guys just reached the doors towards the trophy room where you guys fought a dragon and had a companion phone. The kobolds who before were so scared of your song, now you're pretty much entranced as you speak the high tale of your adventures with Michael. Right as you exit, it is basically the hallway towards the leader. Dribble has accepted you as one of his own? Uh, yes. Me and... Nipo, we're close. You are one of us, and you have a place here. Welcome, Nipo Flower. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, Will our adventure survive to descent into the dungeon? Or is there a darker calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? Well, should we uh, take a bit of a rest here before we move on? I think that Faith and Sir Bradford might need it. I think so, yeah. So Methuselah spent the short rest that we're taking in the community and playing music. You guys return to the community. Upon arrival within the area of the kobolds, they're still sniffling and some crying in the corners, but they are okay with you guys being there. And they do not stop you to find a corner, which unfortunately is kind of difficult. There's just so many kobolds in here. So many corners that are already taken and stuff like that. But it's not like they're stopping you from going anywhere. They open up their path, allow you guys to walk as, as if you guys were one of their own. There is a corner finally that you guys find it. Not necessarily anywhere in particular, but just an open space that it's big enough for you guys to lay down and feel comfortable. There are small murmuring here and there and allows you to understand that the new decree of the leader of the Kobolds accepts you guys as members of the community as friends of Nipo Flowers. The Kobold accepted 
goblin. The Seeker and Faith are gonna curl up close to each other on Faith's blanket. I'll say Methuselah spends most of their long rest actually just within the kobold community playing music, playing Chrysantha's song, and then when people go to bed, coming back to the rest of the group and watching over. Once we're settled in our little secluded area, Mortis is going to sit cross-legged and begin meditating in a way. He clutches his holy symbol and falls into a trance as he he's trying to connect with she. Through your meditative state, this moment of quietness in your mind and use it to guide yourself through as many understandings of your order, your faith, those powers that allow you to actually do miracles. You found yourself a connection deep within your chest that allows you to understand that now you are connected to she and her glory of your subconscious almost. And you guys then rest, sleep after six hours. You guys wake up, mostly helped by Methuselah, who was there looking over you guys the entire time. Seeker, as you wake up, you stretch and you just wait for those sweet words. It's quiet, labored. She goes, big stretch, right? When you look to the side, she doesn't look good. She is tired, almost half awake, but half asleep still. And you see in her eyes that she's trying her best to get up. Hey, Mortis, Erky, could you, could you come here for a moment, please? Is everything all right? Uh, uh, well, we slept for a while, and, and Feist, she looks worse. Oh dear. Mortis glances over at Erky. I think I might have the spell that you were describing. Alright, then let's try it out then. I looked really quickly as you guys were talking about Faith to see Sir Bradford, and although he's looking tougher and almost getting up, he doesn't look any better, to be honest. Well, let's give it a try. Mortis is gonna walk up to the two of them. I hope the two of you are alright, all things considered. I have a spell that I think may be able to take away some of your pain. Uh, I, I understand that we haven't known each other long, but uh, would you allow me to try it? She looks at you, bark likes. She just gives you a smile and she goes, Yes, I have faith in you. Mortis has them lay down in their bedrolls next to each other with a space between them, and he kneels in between them. All right, here goes nothing. He clutches his holy symbol and begins whispering a prayer, too, too quiet for anyone to hear, and Cyan Aura begins to envelop him, and then he lets go of his holy symbol, takes each hand and gently places it on their heads. Almighty she, goddess of the dust, grant me your incredible power so that I may cleanse these innocent souls of corruption. Their journey is not yet over, and so I beseech you, grant them life. And then as he says that final word, the ground around them begins to glow, and you can't really tell from this angle, but below them, the floor lights up in the symbol of a moth, and the cyan light begins to envelop both of them as the spell takes shape, and I cast Lesser Restoration. The spell illuminates the area, and everybody is taken aback by the power of this miracle of she 
Slowly he diminishes, but before he diminishes completely, more does you get a vision. In front of you, there is two spots of light in this dark area. When you focus on these two spots of light, they are exactly where Faith and Sir Bradford were laying down. And then you noticed, looking up, there's many spots of light around you, where all the other individuals were standing around. These, you get to understand, the lights within each person. And it's also the light that she guides to the next world when she rides the night sky, guiding everyone to death. Faith, there's something that the other ones don't have. It's almost like as if they had roots. Roots that leads way, way down below you. And even though the very ground where you're kneeling, not visible. You just know that there is a ground because that's where your feet and knees are touching. But your vision doesn't see it and there's no way to distinguish from the rest of the background. You see very deep what it must be hundreds of meters down the earth. One leads these small roots from their light. There's a small light on the ground. It's dwindling. And as it dwindles, so does the light of Sir Bradford and Faith starts to dwindle as well. And then you come back. As the spell completes itself, unfortunately doesn't seem to have changed in any way. While this is going on, Seeker is just playing with their cat toy, praying desperately to the cat lady to just help. Berkey then says, oh no. It must be something worse. We must have some sort of greater sort of miracle. We need to find a cleric strong enough to be able to do this. A temple, there has to be a, maybe some sort of grand cleric in some way. They're still alive, that's what matters. We can we can find someone. I know you said it didn't seem like it changed too much. Do they at least look like slightly more stable in terms of they're not gonna keel over in the next five minutes? As the small moments pass through your spell, they do see waking up and getting out of that state of sleep actually helps them to go back to somewhat what was before you went to sleep. But you won't call it better. Mortis, why isn't it working? A look of sadness crosses Mortis's face. I'm not sure if what Erky's saying is true. It seems that might need a more powerful spell. I, I'm sorry. I had hoped that I would be strong enough. Perhaps maybe that uh, scroll there, it might be the spell we're looking for if, if we're lucky. Or maybe we have some spells with us. We, we got a couple scrolls. Erky gives you right away. It stands it to you. You grab it. You easily recognize this spell that has to do with projecting energy in multiple types of elements meant to harm someone at a long distance. It is primarily a red-colored spell. This is desperately going through all these papers with their mage hands, and it's going to hear what Seeker said. Seeker, don't worry. There's still time. We can get them to a cleric at the Cat Lady's temple. Be able to help them. 
There's, there's still time. We can't give up hope yet. And Seeker's gonna look at Methuselah, and Methuselah's gonna be able to see that they are crying. You're, you're right, Methuselah, because if, if we give up here, what hope is there for anybody else? Like, if we give up hope for Sir Bradford and for Faith, we might as well have given up hope for Crisanta, and I ain't ready to do that yet. I know how much she means to you. I think Methuselah's just gonna give you the comforting hug. Faith and Sir Bradford gets up with a bit of a struggle, but they do. Faith then approaches mortars, places a paw on your shoulder, and goes, Do not feel discouraged. It's not your fault. And there can still be done something. Don't worry. Your words are kind, but I, I feel that if I had dedicated more of my time to studying healing, I, I may be able to help better. And then he stays silent for a moment. You know, if if my wife were here, she, she would have been able to heal the two of you like it were nothing. She chuckles a little. Sounds like a very wise woman. <laughs> the wisest. And despite the situation, he allows himself a small, somber smile. I'd like to say that as everyone is preparing to get moving, Flower is gonna glance at everyone and go, You guys can go ahead a little bit. I'll catch up. There's just something that I have to give to someone in the village. All right, Thorna. We'll be waiting for you. We won't go too far ahead. He nods. I won't be long, I promise. And Flower wants to go and find Tripo's hut. As the rest of the group stands up and starts to move, they are evidently slowed down as both Sir Bradford and Faith are not strong enough to keep up the same pace as they did the day before, which allows you, Flower, enough time to find Dripo's little hut. When he finds the hut, he's gonna very carefully go inside quietly. Inside, there is what seems to be some sort of makeshift arrangement for beds. Like almost like tarps that is put in a little corner for people to sleep. Big enough for maybe two or three little kobolds to huddle around. On top of that, there is the tablecloth with the vine. And the dripo is cutting up small kindlings, which you don't know as to what. But as you enter the little hut, it's too small of a space for nobody to notice. So as dripo turns their head to look at you, they get scared right away instinctively. But then in the moment that they get scared and kind of jolt up, their eyes catch something. Squinting a little, he goes, Nepo? Flowers taken back and goes, Oh, you recognize me? I mean, you were a long lost relative. I thought the ugliest relative I had, but still a relative. Were you not, Nepo? Oh, yes. I was just surprised because I, I think the last time we met, I looked a little different. Yes, some things didn't change much, mainly your eyes. Now, sorry to tell you, but Meepo is no longer with us. I don't know if you knew. Flower nods. I, I, I do. I'm sorry that we couldn't protect him. I should have looked after him more. Well, he was always a little on the, uh rowdier side, you know, uh, he wanted to follow his own little dreams instead of impressing the other kobolds, but in his own way, he was a charmer like his old man. Flower will nod. I didn't mean to disturb your grieving. It was just, there's something I wanted to give you that was, uh, Meepo's, and he's gonna take the bracelet off of his hand and offer it to Tripo. He takes it, looks at it. Thank you. Well, I will proceed here with 
the preparations. Are you staying with us? He sadly shakes his head no. There are a few things that I need to sort out on the surface, so I don't think I'll be able to really settle down in the village right now. But I'm going to visit as often as I can and bring as much supplies that I can with me when I do come visit. He nods, still as if they were thinking about something else or distracted in some way. They approach you, putting down both kindling and little carving knife that they had. Then they slowly put their hand on your shoulder, trying to see if you would be okay with him grasping your shoulder more than anything. If you were still the same Nippo that I met, which I think it is due to your eyes, then you always have a place here. I'm sorry for Meepo, and now I hold a lot of faith in you, for I think Meepo would want you to be a part of this household family. Pretty sure that he would want you to be happy still in it. So take your time wherever business you have in the surface, and do not worry about your duties as a member of this family. I will step up my game, and I will find more kobolds to be a part of this family too. I might be a bit rusted, but I think I can still impress one or two with a new game of cards that is getting traction here in the kobold community. Flower smiles somberly. Yeah, I'll see if I could ever bring anyone down to join the family, but thank you. I really appreciate how accepting everyone has been, and I hope that I'll be able to spend more time in the village once I've gotten everything together again. Meepo saw you as family, Meepo. That means you're family to me too. Take your time. Grieving is different for everyone, so if you need to take longer, you take longer. Just don't forget about us, and know that you have a place here with us. Flower will give Tripo a good pat. He feels a little bit too awkward to hug him just yet, but he gives him a pat and a smile. And then after a few moments, he'll go ahead and leave the hut to head back and catch up with everyone. He allows you to leave quite easily. And before you realize, you feel somewhat lighter. And then you proceed to join your friends that is just at the door of the community. You guys step out of the room of the Cobalt community and head your way towards the entrance area. As you guys are traversing the hallway where you guys fought some weird winged creatures, Mephuzla approaches Seeker. Who I imagine is probably still with Faith. Yep, and still kind of distraught too. Um, Seeker, I, I was wondering if I could give you something. What, what, what would that be, Methuselah? Oh, it's actually for both you and, uh, and Faith and the, the temple and Tom's rest as well. And then Methuselah takes out 400 gold. I got most of this from Tom's Rest, and it was my intention, you know, to use it to buy the Apple of Virtue. I really am not one for money. I, I don't need to live, you know, riches. It's not my person, and, you know, me and Chrysantha are well off with her hero work and my singing, so I I'd like you to donate this, you know, to the temple. Well, well, thank you, Methuselah. You know, you're always welcome, you know, if you need anything to come by the temple, even even without this amazing donation, you know, you, you helped rescue Faith, and no matter what happens, you're part of our community now. All of you are. So, you know, I know that we'll put this to good use. We'll help out as many people as we can, and hopefully we'll get to house y'all again thank you oh you're welcome 
I know the first place that me and Chrysantha are going to go is definitely Tom's Rest. I, I think she'll really like it, and I would really love to play again for all the tabaxi there. I I'd like to play the song, uh, The Sun Citadel, and, you know, play Faith's song as well. I think everyone would love that, yeah. I know that when you were playing for us, we all enjoyed it, and, you know, it's not something that we get treated to very often in the temple. Such a lovely bard as yourself. And trust me, any any money that I make, I'll definitely consider donating again. We're, we're very grateful. Th thank you, Methuselah. You know, and you're one of the greatest friends I've ever had, Methuselah. You mean a lot to me. You as well, Seeker. And Seeker's gonna hug Methuselah. I'll hug back. This conversation takes place as you guys traverse the hallway and the big circular room just at the entrance. I'd like to point out, too, that Mortis is walking ahead of everyone else. Not in, like, an aggressive way, just, like, keeping to himself. And he has his hood up again. As you guys open the doors towards the exterior of the Sunset Hill, it almost feels like too long has passed. As the cold breeze of winter air bathes all of you, washes past you with the door being open. As the wind washes over you, as it does in this weird funnel-like effect, you guys are all pushed to the side a little bit. Faith and Sir Bradford are taken aback a little, but they compose themselves to the best of their abilities. For old time's sake, Seeker would like to scream at the hole. Sure. Methuselah will join in screaming at the hole. Mortis. As your companions are starting to scream at a hole, something catches your eye. A small, semi-translucent, but with a small glow of its own, small moth crosses over your vision, from one side to the other, and then one more and another, until one gets somewhat closer to you so you can see in detail. They are almost ghostly-like moths. But where there's supposed to be a head, as a normal moth would be, instead there is just just a little smile on it, and it continues on flying. You guys also notice this as there seems to be flying from inside of the cape of Mortis that is billowing little moths of a translucent yet little glowing starts to appear and permeate around Mortis. Mortis takes a few steps away from everyone else. I'm not sure what's happening. Everyone stay away for your own safety. Methuselah is going to hold Yorick as if they're ready to fight just in case. Flower grips Methuselah's coat and watches nervously. Seeker's getting ready to use their bracer if they have to. For a few moments, you guys await for danger. Time just passes. Nothing seems amiss, except for the fact that now there's a few dozen moths just flying around Mortis. Mortis analyzes them for a moment. A look of realization crosses his face. It's him. It's the Marquis. It has to be. He's using his influence over me to manifest these spectral moths as a sort of joke. I don't know. Is the game up then? We haven't left yet. I think this is just his 
way of telling us he's here. Hasn't he been here technically the in entire time with us? I'm still fuzzy on the details, I'm sorry. For better or worse, this ends now. Mortis glances over at Flower. Do you know what we have to do? Flower shakes his head in an uncertain way. Usually when it wants something, it'll make sure that you know we might have to keep going to completely finish this game. If I understand it correctly, I think this ends as soon as we cross that threshold. He glances over at the threshold of the entrance where the sunlight meets the entrance. So should you give it now or later? Looks around with a clear sense of uncertainty. Nothing indicates that you guys should stay or should you go. There's only the one path out of the Sun Citadel. When you reach the surface, the game is up. After a moment of trepidation, Mortis glances at Sir Bradford and Faith. We don't have time to waste on this any longer. And he starts marching towards the threshold. And while doing so, he reaches into his bag. Methuselah catches up to you as you're walking away, and they're going to play their hurdy-gurdy, a song that you have heard before. And the instrument itself will glow in this pink hue, and the shadows that come off it mingle and dance with the colors as I cast Enhanceability. And the song that I'm going to play is Romeo's Wisdom, so you have advantage on wisdom saving throws. And I'm also going to give you Bardic Inspiration. Mortis pauses his march. He doesn't turn to face you, but he just looks down. Thank you, my friend. It means a lot to have your support. We'll be with you to the end, my friend. Are you ready, Flower? He nervously stays at Methuselah's side and nods. Methuselah is going to give Bardic Inspiration to Flower. He just gives you a smile and keeps holding onto your coat. Before we proceed, Mortis turns and looks at Flower. There's something I should do, just as a precaution. He walks over and offers Flower a hand. Do you trust me? He nods and takes Mortis's hand. Mortis clutches his holy symbol with his free hand and, and begins praying. Almighty she, grant this one protection against the forces of evil so that his mind may remain his own. And I'm going to cast protection against good and evil on you. As he does this, a cyan moth emerges from him and flutters towards Thorn, and then it connects with his chest and disappears in a flash of light. Flower smiles at you. Thank you, and be careful. And... While they're still hand in hand, I think we're going to cross the threshold. You guys press the threshold of the the entrance of the Sunless Citadel. Nothing really happens, but the moths that are permeating around Mortis starts to fly away from him one on one towards the naturally shaped and irregular stairs that you guys had to take to actually descend towards the citadel proper you guys start to ascend slowly at first expecting something to appear but after 40 feet up you guys notice something that you guys were sure did not happen before 
the two of you are smiling as you're ascending it. That hesitates. That makes you guys hesitate. But after a few moments, you just continue up. 76 feet up. You guys start to hum. A weird melody. But one that Flower recognizes it. As it is the song of the Marquis and Thorn. You start humming it instinctively. You don't know why, but the melody appears out of you. 125 feet up. You guys have a weird feeling that the stairs are not as big as it was before. 255 feet up. You guys notice now that you're putting your feet in front of the other. As the stairs now is barely enough to put your own two feet on it. When it's too far gone for you guys to come back. But not nearly as close to the actual threshold of the gap above you. You notice that the stairs is no longer there. There's just the small little areas around your feet keeping you against the wall. You look around to see your comrades and they are in the same situation as the two of you. Stuck in their own little areas. And the rough wall is just too much to climb. Too sleek. In a way, there's no footholds, no areas for you to grip your hands on it and climb up yourselves. How much higher do would we have to go? You can guess, but it's hundreds of feet. And as you continue looking up, the distance seems to be increasing. You look down, and so is the distance close to where the ground was, is increasing as well. At this point, you guys can see the entirety of the gap, a singular eye-shaped gap on this mountain is visible ahead only for it to start to shake the entire area. The edges of this gap start to tighten it, curling it up and making the shape of a giant smile as the entire cliffside is now a part of the marquee. Slivering out of this smile ahead above you comes out this weird tongue, darkish color, that slivers close to you until it becomes clear. That tongue is the marquee itself that is massive, bigger than anything you have seen, and stops about a hundred feet away from you guys looking down on you with predatory multicolored irises and a smile that creeps you to the bone. Time's up. My dear friends, give your gifts now, or both of you are mine. Mortis uh, gives Flower's hand a squeeze before letting go. Flower is trembling with fear. It will be all right. Everything will be okay, I promise. Mortis looks up at the face of the Marquis, reaches into his bag. You wanted a rare magical treasure, and I carry one of the rarest items in all these lands. And then he retrieves a small bracelet and holds it up. The druidic focus of an accursed creature. In the very spot where you lift to show the Marquis, this bracelet, 
an eye appears just in front of your hand to take a very closer look into this bracelet. The Marquis smiles even wider and says, Fascinating. Interesting. But not nearly as interesting as some of the other possessions you might have. This is what I have to offer. Take it. Really? And what does my thorn have to give? Flower trembles more and stutters over his words and goes, Nothing. Ah, you're back. No worries. I'll have my thorn again. Its liquidy-like claw paw appears in a segment closer to its spine. It twists and grasps the air out of nowhere. Flower feels a shake from deep within, but a glow of sign color appears and the weirdest of things happen. The flower and thorn are almost as one. The power of she retains flower, but thorn is brought up at the same time. At this instance, you and thorn have the same memories, the same thinking, and it's almost as if the two of you are cohabitating. Uh, uh, don't do that. Um, I would really appreciate it if you don't. <laughs> even more than when you are just my thorn. Very well. I give you one more chance, my new friend. If you don't want to give what's powerful, I'll allow you to give what's valuable. There is another symbol of druidic power in your bag, isn't there? It doesn't hold nearly as much power as some of your objects, but its combined value is bigger than all of them together. Aren't I right? Mortis doesn't break his eyesight with the face of the Marquis, but Flower can see that he's clenching his left hand, and he just stands there unable to respond for a moment. It is your choice. I will accept it, but if you don't, you forfeit, just as Flowers has just forfeited, and you both are mine to play and to bring joy to the world. Hi, hi. Morris pauses for a moment. He reaches into his cloak and retrieves Nera's druidic symbol, and he stares at it for a moment. You will always be with me. This I know. And he clutches it. I love you. And then he holds it up. Take it. Where the eye was to take a closer look at the druidic sibyl of Belak, it now stretches and curls to make a smiling eye. And then it opens as if the white of the eye was made of teeth and fangs and a nice slick tongue stretches out to encompass the druidic focus and then it just retracts closing the eye as well as smile mouth and 
closes it back to the rocket seat. Thank you, my winner. Now, my dear, dear Thorn, I wish you don't forget to me. I will not forget you, but know that you can always return if you wish. You can keep the powers I gave you. Think of it as a parting gift and an invitation that you always can return to play. Focuses attention back to you, Morris. I'll see you soon, my dear Mortis. And as you blink, you guys are halfway through climbing up these natural stairs. The stairs are normal. You guys are just a few hundred feet away from the top. And everything is back to normal. As if nothing had happened to begin with. the end of this episode of the sunless citadel thank you so much for listening subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and be sure to catch the next installment of the sunless citadel every thursday at 12 p.m est if you like the show please consider leaving a review it's a small way to show your support that goes a long way to connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corton from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The world of Nosomundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern.